Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Formula One is on its way to Austin for the United States Grand Prix, and so is the Autosport Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ed Straw. Joining me is Scott Mitchell, and we're in a slightly unusual place. We've we've left Mexico. We've not yet made it to Austin. We've got quite an unusual sight to our left. Scott, can you describe what you can see about... 70 metres maybe to our left, 50 metres. Well, this is quite appropriate because we're in the United States, Ed. I can see independence. And <laughs> that might sound like a bit of a, bit of a sort of surreal thing to say, but I, I can, can, I you can s- literally see independence. Are you seeing abstract concepts again? <laughs> and not, do you need treatment? No, I'm not. I can see a... I don't know about you, Ed, but I can see a space shuttle atop a Boeing 747. What about you? Funnily enough, yeah, I can see exactly the same thing. Of course, the space shuttle independence... Uh, a former training vehicle, now uh, now an exhibit here at, for those who haven't guessed, the Johnson Space Centre in Houston. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. Um, the the North American doubleheader uh, is is for me the highlight of the F1 calendar, mainly because it affords us the opportunity to spend a few days in what I think is one of the coolest places we go to of the year, and that's Texas. And last year we were really good at this. Uh, between Austin and Mexico, because Austin came first last year. We went and spent a couple of days in Dallas, didn't we? We watched the Mavericks play in the the NBA, so we watched some basketball. Then we watched the Dallas Stars the next day, saw some ice hockey, and then made our way to Mexico. But this time, Mexico came first. We hopped right out of Mexico City as soon as we could on Monday afternoon. We had a race against time because of a delayed, a delayed plane. An hour and 45 minutes we lost, but we made it to Houston, this time, the the intention of going to see the Houston Rockets play in the NBA again, because we're obviously massive basketball fans. Uh, I'm sure everyone uh, knew that uh, off by heart. And then, yeah, we've made it to 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 stop number two 
of our of our little jaunt in between landing at Houston and then making our way across to to Austin. And you've done the Space Center before, but I've not. And I just thought it was it is comfortably in the the the, the top ten things I've I think I've ever done, and it might be the coolest thing I've ever done since covering starting covering F one at the start of last year. It is extremely good. Uh, it's the third time I've been to it actually uh, over the years. Massive fan. <laughs> well, I am a bit of a fan, and it's repeat uh, customer. Exactly. Yeah. You should be a bit, you should be a member. Well, yeah, I'm tempted actually. It's it's fantastic. I'm tempted to go back in now. It's just uh, it's just closing. I should say we're sort of sitting just outside at the moment, uh, having uh, been around it. We can see the we can see the rocket park with the Saturn V uh, Saturn V rocket in it. Massive thing they use for Apollo launches. It's uh, it's just fantastic, uh, fantastic stuff. Now. We are just basically talking about ourselves having a great time, and so I imagine for anyone in Europe, perhaps making their way through the commute in the in the cold and damp and the, the train, probably thinking, "What what is the point of this?" But we have managed to make a connection. We have, and it is exactly that. What is the point of this? Because when we were talking, uh, looking around and sort of uh, getting our heads around some of the details of space ex- exploration and. The, the, the crazy levels of resource and investment, unknowns and all of the stuff that goes into to, to finding out information. And a lot of people, I think, it would would might ask, what's the point of it? What, what why do why does why did man ever need to go on the moon? Why we learned today that all of the samples that they brought back from the moon, including the very last uh, the very last expedition, they've still got another two decades before they go through all of the samples and get everything they need from it. So by that time, it would have, it would be what seventy odd years since the since man first went to the moon and brought some samples back. That that seems like what why why do we need to spend seven decades uh, learning about this? And the the reason we're talking about that is because I think the 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 argument is also applicable to to, to F one. What's the point of it? Does all of the stuff that we do on a on a you know on a minute by minute basis over the Grand Prix weekend, all of the little bits and bobs, feel, things that feel like pigeon step stories, does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? What's the point of of, of Formula One? We're in the middle of this massive F1 2021 debate. We've got a huge rules announcement coming this week, Thursday in Austin, and we're we're obsessing over that and wondering, you know, is this going to make or break F1? And and does it matter? What what's the point? And what I think the next next thing really to to move it on Ed is for for you personally, what's the point of of F one? What's the point of of space travel? What is the what is the connection? What is the point in anything like that that just seems to be like quite a an expensive recreation? Well, although I wouldn't say that that Formula One racing is quite as as lofty in its goals as say get, uh, traveling to the moon or all of the things that nasa does of course nasa is such a so, so broad in all the things it, it does but i think it's in the famous kennedy speech when he when he set that timetable for for getting to the moon put a, put a man on the moon and, and return him safely to earth uh by by the end of the decade and i think it was it was it, i'm paraphrasing some of these that quote but it's we choose to do these things not because they're easy but because they are they are hard and i think you sort of see the best of humanity in trying to do things really well and a formula one team for example is a, a huge edifices huge amounts of, of of human resource and knowledge and effort and of course money go into every little detail and I, I really like it when you see something like that coming together in in technology shall we say because i, I think people sometimes think the technology in formula one is cold etc and just uh, just not simple and as robotic and not human but actually it's the summation of humanity it's it's humanity being greater than the sum of its parts by doing these incredible things now what nasa does is is on another level but what a formula one car does 
is quite remarkable, lapping a track at those speeds, the the grip it's got, it's absolutely sensitifying, shall we say. So I've always liked it when human endeavour goes into into creating, into achieving, into doing things, and rather than so much of what we do is invested in destroying and tearing down and damaging and conflict. But that collaboration, and on a much smaller scale, it exists within, within Formula One teams, and of course could apply to formula one as a whole perhaps if it could get its uh get its act together a bit better yeah it's unifying in 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 several ways and i think if you look at it from a i'm going to use that phrase again what what's the point so uh in 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 formula one we've got uh, arguments over what what's the point of f1 being technically innovative you, there, there's always a debate over how much road relevance f1 needs to have for example and what's the point of road relevance why don't we just make the cars as quick as possible but i think I mean, there, there are there are countless reasons for it i'm going to try and keep it down to, to three short ones really and it sort of touches on what you've mentioned there this first is that that sheer competitive element to it and it was exactly the same with the with, with space exploration the, the 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 space race between the the, the soviets and, and the americans and there's a massive self a uh, bit of self-interest there because it's just a competition it's who can do this best and you know the 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 americans had their backsides handed to them for, for for most of it until that that key moment of, of putting man on the moon first and it's like that in 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 formula one or motorsport or, or any kind of com- human competition really it's that that drive to be the best it brings out the, the the best of individuals test people to their limit and also it brings out the best of people as a team as well and and, and it's that sort of it, competition drives so many parts of our lives it's relatable to so many people so that's what i think is one of the main uh one of the main appeals of sport is putting a bunch of things together and seeing who comes out on top and it was quite similar I th- I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a it's a loose analogy almost or comparison but it is broadly what happened with um, with space exploration in the 50s and and 60s so you've got the comp- the competitive element the second one is the uh the educational element all of the things that trickle down from that you don't it, the primary interest is, is is winning with with F1, but there is a, a huge trickle down effect from the knowledge that you gain from it. It might be safety that's applicable to to other other categories, um, or it could be how many times have we seen um, adverts from say Williams Advanced Engineering that are using uh, knowledge that they gain from from F1 to apply to to everyday life or different things around the world. And we've heard some fantastic stories today about how different things that they're learning from from when they were creating space shuttles or rockets that then are able to be to be reused in not necessarily everyday life but things that make things better they we we learned earlier for example of how trying to create advanced robotics for for use on the the international space station for example might one might be able to or should be able to facilitate um automated robots dealing with um, with bomb recovery for example with, uh, in, in police units and, and and bomb disposal squads so there's 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 that element as well and the third thing which i think is really important is that i don't know whether the, the best word to use is aspirational or, in, or inspirational effect but i really don't think it can be underestimated the value what you said of humanity being at its best and when you see a formula one team uh, in, in Italy, for example, when Ferrari is designing an incredible engine or a brilliant F1 car, winning races, winning championships, it can galvanise an entire community and it becomes, oh, I, I want to learn about this, I want to be involved in this. Um, Honda, for example, for 50 years, 60 years actually, 
sport, motor racing, either motorcycling or Formula One, has been a means of driving people into the company, the automotive side of the business. You know, you, you want to work for Honda because you want to be a Formula One engineer, and then maybe you'll get there, but you'll also have a major part to play in their automotive programme. Well, sometimes you do get automotive engineers who aren't necessarily racing people or who wouldn't necessarily aspire to do that. They get put in there for a period and they learn and you transfer... You know, people talk about things like road relevance and technology transfer, but there's also working practices and that kind of thing, and the speed of work in Formula One. And that's what Formula One teams and engine manufacturers have to do. They have to work on totally different scales. It's not like road car production where you can spend months deciding on the spec or something. You've got to just, you know, absolutely, you've got another race in two weeks' time. Exactly. You don't work to the same timetable as anybody else. And I, I thought I find that the what you mentioned there, the, the really ambitious target of putting man on the mood by the end of the decade in the early 60s when JFK gave that speech, what a crazy target we we looked at how how quickly we were you know humanity was able to 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 move forward from using an adapted military ballistic missile to having this incredible insane saturn rocket we could just see in the distance the uh the replica of the redstone rocket which they used to launch the first few mercuries that was the 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 kind of the first manned space flight for uh for the for the u.s uh and, and it's right next to the uh, to the, the the building that contains it's, the Saturn it's V poke, rocket. It's poking yeah. out just above and, uh, and, above it, and it's on a different scale. You, it's just totally, totally different scale. In less than a decade, went from you know basically a, a ballistic missile missile with a with a bloke strapped to it almost exactly. to to something much, much, much bigger. But actually, working to the same principles. Oh, I, and and that's a, that's quite a nice uh, little segue actually into into another point when we come to talk about F one and. And, and, and the point of it all and, and what's worth persevering with is I, I, I think it, I think it's safe to say that without question Formula One has immense value beyond a few you know I say a few people the millions of people who enjoy watching cars go around a circuit that it, it just has this it has this wider uh, appeal it, it almost becomes totemic because it, it just it stands for it stands for the great things that, that people can achieve and the technology that we're capable of producing but with what we're doing with um with 2021 and, and the new rules the the my con- my concern almost is is that we're it's it's becoming a little bit of a of a contradiction because you've got some elements that are making um formula 1 that will keep formula 1 technically innovative and very very important the engine side for example what they're doing with these V6 turbo hybrids and will continue to do will hopefully have really significant um, drip feeding, uh, drip feed consequence to to the automotive world, and there will continue to be gains on the aerodynamic side. We will have engineers that have incredible levels of of expertise, and will hopefully then go on to do amazing things. And we should have a really entertaining formula, hopefully, if the cars can follow better, that then engages and entertains and 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 maybe inspires you know a generation of Formula One fans. And that could all be brilliant, but at the same time, we've got. Uh, we're going to move towards a, a, a kind of car that's that's heavier than ever, and it's you know, are they going to be bigger than ever? And you're just using the 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 the, the rockets, for example, where you go, okay, you've got this really not well, not small, but small by comparison, rudimentary in terms of space exploration technology, and within half a dozen years, a little bit more, you've suddenly got this incredible piece of machinery that's you know bigger and better than ever and capable of doing loads more. F1 cars uh, seem to be getting 
bigger than ever they're going to be heavier than ever but it's not quite it's not quite the same i'm not entirely sure that f1 cars getting bigger all the time is, is a good thing definitely definitely not. no it's, exactly it's, it's, a, it's a bad thing but you know drawing on that analogy with 2021 the bit the big problem i've got with it is it's trying to be kind of all things to all people isn't it and mention that kennedy speech very very simple objective wasn't it get to the moon by the end of the decade get someone up there, get them back. Simple objective. No, you can't quite translate that objective into F1 terms. But we always hear like different versions and different shades of what it's supposed to be and then all politics gets involved. And I think there's no, there's been no single-minded vision about what F1 should be in 2021 now. Those involved with F1 themselves will say they've got one. Every team will say they've got the perfect answer. But actually, individually, none of those organisations have the correct answer. It needs to be a, a collective, collaborative effort with a, a clear objective of where you're trying to get to and then once you've set the objective that's the easy bit you then invest the resource the commitments and the analysis to trying to work out how you achieve that and that's the key isn't it yes absolutely and f1's been going through the the, the preemptive troubleshooting phase for, for some time now trying to work out right on the technical side you know they've got these this, this rule breaking group don't they um, where they're trying to basically take the technical regulations as intended for 2021 and, and, and try and exploit them as a team would. But the resource that whatever FOM or the FIA or collectively are putting towards this will be dwarfed by the technical departments at the teams that are going to be scrutinising these rules and trying to undo the good that they're, that they're trying to do. But to So to actually implement that good the way that F1 and the FIA want to, it, everything, as you say, needs to be thought through. And Part of me feels that the FIA and an F1 are not necessarily pursuing it, uh, proceeding in exactly the right way. Uh, I think that they've, I think that there are there are some concerns that the teams are raising which are which are valid, but at the same time, I think F1 and the FIA, the good that they're trying to do is simultaneously undermined slightly by the teams' individual vested interests and you know to 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 do what we we've been doing this entire pod, podcast and and draw analogies when we were walking through the exhibit on the international space station earlier and you're looking at the um uh looking at the rivalry between um between between America and and and, and Russia and what then effectively became a became a truce well, of course you had the that's the big international collaboration even before that you had the Apollo Soyuz yeah. uh, mission in I think 1975 when they docked an Apollo module and a Soyuz so this is still not quite the height of the Cold War but it's still it's still going on pretty seriously at that, at that point and then you've just got a moment of collaboration between two groups effectively two groups of scientists really trying to achieve something something great something symbolic and actually that Apollo Soyuz I think it's a real shame people don't remember it, don't talk about that so much. It's sort of forgotten a little bit because it was a bit of an afterthought to, to the Apollo program after it was cancelled. But it's such a wonderful totemic thing where you've got the, the astronauts reaching out and the, the Russian cosmonauts and the US astronauts shaking hands. Yeah, the world's amazing. first in, the world's first um, international handshake in space, yeah. which is uh, which is which is really cool. And, and you're right, it's what it represented. It was two two conflicting sides. That oh, had two conflicting ideologies as well. Two, two conflicting signs and ideologies that were persevering, spending a lot of money for the 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 for in what in a sense the the, the betterment of what they were doing, uh, trying to trying to uh, improve uh, humanity's knowledge and understanding and, and make a real impact on 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 the world. But it was also it was a lot of ego involved because it was about doing it first and 
how similar is that to to Formula One, where you've got Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, all the teams really that act individually in their own interest? Because what they're trying to do is make the best F1 car possible and improve F1 technology, but with the interest of doing it first. So you have these conflicting uh, selfish interests and motivations. But there is a bigger picture that exists beyond that, and that's what it was from a from a space exploration point of view. Is the beginning of something that ultimately has created the the the, the international space station, for example, and the project that that combines the the Americans, the Russians, the Canadians, the European Space Agency, uh, China. I'm probably forgetting a couple as well. But this massive global effort, because you realise that actually, if you there are always going to be small, selfish, national interests within that, but the, yeah, as you said, the, the, it's almost like the 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 the, the sum of the parts are, uh, are, are massive in 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 this case. On a Formula One side, you've got ten teams that are that have got a load of conflicting interests, and what you effectively need to do is bang their heads together and get them to realise. Look, I appreciate that this might not be what you specifically want, but there, if if you can just reach a compromise, that there is something that will benefit everyone as a whole. So you will you will and you will get individual selfish gains from that but the, the the collective will benefit as well and that's what 2021 should be but i'm worried that what we're going to get on thursday is a watered down version of what 2021 could be and it's not going to be that watershed moment of unity and the everyone combining for the greater good that it could be well that's a big problem you can see what formula one can achieve and to come back to the the kind of almost the original comparison with with you know formula one team has hundreds of people well, more than a thousand people contributing to say what Mercedes is doing, and then all the kind of credit will go to Lewis Hamilton, who's kind of the you know, the analog might be for that, that sort of your Neil Armstrong figure or, or or whatever. And you know, we talk about a handful of people, but it's actually this vast amount of effort goes into it. That's the sort of the best of humanity represented in Formula One. And then the other side is the is the worst of it. So it's uh, you just want that balance to be kind of achieved because it, it's quite incredible what what is done in Formula One. Yeah, absolutely. And just to come just to come back to that point we were making at the beginning. Um, if you you know we we can question at any one any any one time you know why why does it matter why Christian Horner is complaining about this why does it matter that Mattia Bonotto seems to be angling for for this what what's what does this mean for the likes of Williams and and, and Haas and what are their opinions on it sometimes it does feel like we're making such baby steps towards something and I th- I think we feel it as well working in the paddock when you're reporting what people say or the latest disagreement and we can see it in the reader numbers there are sometimes where the, the the interest in the topic just doesn't bite it doesn't I don't blame our readers or in this case our listeners for having 2021 fatigue because it feels like it doesn't matter but when you're when it's combining towards a, a a scenario where this could be uh, this could be such a big opportunity for F1 to make a, a significant step forward. If if F1 2021 worked as well as it could, you could genuinely have a situation where the absolutely absolute premier category in a sport is not only is it technically innovative, it's incredibly incredibly competitive. It's massively international. It has a reach beyond any other sport I think in the world. Because even, even football. It, you know, the Premier League has its has its roots in 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 England, for example, and then La Liga in Spain, Bundesliga in Germany, etc. But it's only occasionally with the World Cup or whatever that you actually get this single combined international interest. And F1 2021 could be this massive thing that reaches out and 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 actually starts to tick all of the boxes, and then it can actually become 
something really, really significant. It almost transcends sport if you get it to the point where F1 is is ticking all of those boxes. It can be it can be immensely valuable, and I just think it's it, I just think it's going to be a bit of a missed opportunity. Well, we're going to find out in the uh, in the coming days a little bit more about uh, about that side of things. But yeah, overall for me today was a great reminder of of, the, of what's great about Formula One. For me, it's not necessarily about who wins and loses. It's about how it happens and the remarkable effort and knowledge and collaboration that goes into putting these cars on the grid. That's why I like the technology being there. So that's a good reminder of that. Well, that's enough for the first part of this podcast. We're going to do a bit more of an in-depth preview of the US Grand Prix shortly. In the meantime, we're off. Welcome back to part two of our United States Grand Prix preview podcast. And thanks to the miracles of editing, we are no longer at the Johnson Space Centre. Scott Mitchell, where are we? We are just outside of Austin. We have finally made it to the correct part of Texas to be in the right place for the United States Grand Prix. But we didn't come here direct from Houston, did we, Ed? We didn't. We decided to uh, head to slightly south of Austin. It's broadly in the same direction, but not not quite, to uh, San Antonio, where, of course, the Battle of the Alamo, of course, very famous uh, famous moment in, in Texan history. Yeah, and American history as well. Uh, I think it's uh, I, something I learned about last year, because the 2018 United States Grand Prix was my first experience of Austin, and I remember I spent some time at the... Um, I forget the actual the, the proper name of it, but it's basically the the Texan History Museum in in, in Austin. Uh, went there with uh, Jimmy Roberts off of F1 racing, and uh, we had a, we had a great time. Learned a lot about it and uh, read about the Alamo there. So to actually to actually stand and see the building and 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 be on site for something of such a that represents what I guess we know as american culture which is that freedom and independence and uh, that that kind of vibe that's what the alamo has has come to represent obviously it was a a, f- a failure in terms of uh, keep keeping out the um keeping out the, the the forces but it has come to represent this much bigger thing this fight for liberty and and freedom that that america holds obviously quite dear as i think we uh, we see quite obviously in in all for- all forms of their culture yeah, very much so. 1836, of course, the Battle of, of the Alamo, for anyone who wants to, to find out more. And, and while at the Alamo, Scott, did you have, draw any comparisons with Formula One? Well, when we were at the Johnson Space Centre, we, we used the fact, we used this this brilliant insight into such an amazing feat in, in human history to talk about what F1, what what's what's the point of F1 and, and, and the parallels between the two. And being at, at the Alamo, a historic site, scene of something horrific from a human point of view but important from a historical point of view in the 19th century I did uh, I did have a thought actually Ed about what is relevant from the Alamo compared to Formula One and do you want to know what that thought was? Enlighten me. Absolutely nothing to do with Formula One it was just a cool place to be so we've basically just waffled a little bit there because we're kind of we're bragging a little bit about our whistle stop tour of uh, parts of texas that we find quite cool space center was quite relevant we thought that there was a nice little point and analogy to make there in terms of f1 the alamo we just wanted to go there because it's quite cool and it's a really awesome piece of history to see exactly it's, strange enough it is uh, it is quite rare we actually get to see anything uh, like it's normally it's just sort of hotel racetrack restaurant and that's about it but it's it's been a great fun Sweezing in a few uh, few bits and pieces, but we will get back to looking at the the United States Grand Prix in a little bit more detail. Obviously, the big thing everyone's going to be talking about on track will be will Lewis Hamilton clinch the title? It's not actually a very interesting topic. Of course, he's going to clinch the title sooner rather than later. It'll only be deferred if it isn't this weekend, won't it? 
it's an inevitability. Um, Hamilton winning the title, uh, and I actually think it's it's. Can you can can something be almost inevitable? Can you quantify inevitability? <laughs> it's I would say that it's pretty inevitable that Hamilton's going to win it this weekend because I think uh, he Bottas needs to win with Lewis ninth, I think, and no higher than ninth. So if he needs to, I think he needs to gain twenty three points on on Hamilton Bottas in order to keep the title alive. It's extremely unlikely that will happen. Um, not saying that Valtteri can't win, but I just don't see Bottas winning and Hamilton finishing ninth or lower. Uh, should it happen, all it will do is prolong the inevitable because Bottas will still have an enormous gap to make up. So, yeah, we're just waiting for, for Hamilton's coronation now. This will be quite a cool place for a party. Austin's pretty fever, isn't it? So, uh, he's won it in Mexico the last couple of years. He didn't quite manage it last weekend. I think he's going to do the business on Sunday, but that's not what I'm most looking forward to this weekend. What are you most looking forward to this weekend? I just want a continuation of the the fights that we've seen over the last few Grand Prix. I think it was such a shame now. Obviously, at the time, seeing Mercedes sweep to, what was it, seven consecutive one-two finishes? eight, wasn't it, all the way up to the front? Oh, no, sorry. Eight consecutive wins, and I think it was five consecutive one-twos. Of course, Monaco broke the run uh, of Of course, Monaco did of break it, didn't yeah. it? So five consecutive one-twos, yeah, and, the, and just this unbroken run of wins in the first third of the season was impressive but it was just oh come on guys we've we've had enough of this Mercedes domination now but it was down to Ferrari and Red Bull to do a better job and while that ruined the championship from a title fight point of view what we have had pretty much non-stop since then and actually even from Monaco when the Mercedes win run was still going on from Monaco onwards we've had an almost unbroken run of pretty damn good races and since the summer break it's changed Ferrari is the one that's got the edge in terms of qualifying pace but what we've seen Mercedes win the last three Grand Prix despite not starting from pole position so I just think it's just going to be another fun one Ferrari might top it in on Saturday but Mercedes might have a stronger Sunday race car we don't really know when uh, Red Bull will be in the mix or how strong they'll be here but I, I just like going into the weekend without having the, the the outcome of the Grand Prix settled. Yeah, absolutely. That makes it very, very uh, interesting. Mexico was a really interesting race from uh, from that perspective. Just to, to go back to to Bottas, I think it is worth talking up a little bit what he's done this year. I've, I, I must admit, at the end of last year, he looked like a broken man, didn't he? He was uh, really dejected by the end of the season. He had a run of bad results, slumped in the championship. But he was saying in Mexico how pleased he was that he's he's avoided that. And actually, I think he's done a very, very decent job. Okay, he's not at Lewis Hamilton's level, but very few people are. It's probably very few drivers on the grid who could, who could attain that but I think the fact he's picked himself up he's kept chipping away at his weaknesses keeps picking himself up and, and going again credit to him I think he's done a, a, a very decent job this year and you know he'll he'll want to try and the, the reason the championship when it's clinched matters probably to him is he probably thinks well if we can just get it down to one more race if we can take it to Brazil then he can say well I I took it to to the penultimate race against Lewis Hamilton, which is still in itself a pretty good achievement in, in equal machinery. It's very clear that, that Bottas has, has made a step forward. And while he has had a much better second half of the season than normal, there was this element after the summer break that he was, he was almost sort of like stealth just appearing in decent positions if you know what I mean he wasn't he wasn't on Lewis's level after the after the summer break we know that Lewis got just is just able to just pick up and crack on once once as the season gets on longer and longer and Bottas needed to try and live with that I think Spa, Monza, Singapore and Russia Bottas just he was getting results and he was obviously having much better 
time of things in terms of points, but it wasn't he wasn't on Hamilton's level. Hamilton Sing- Singapore and Russia, inch. Singapore and Russia in particular, he yeah, was a he, big chunk off. He did seem to struggle, but then in Japan, he did the job. And I know he didn't exactly smash everybody on Sunday to win in Japan, but he did the business at the start, mega start, and then he basically did what he needed to do to win the well, race. Once you're up front. You control the race, don't you? That's what he did. And, and Valtteri did admit that the race started to sort of come out of his control a little bit. He was, I think he was wary that the guys behind were catching him more than he wanted. And I think he also knew that Mercedes effectively had to intervene almost to, to stop Hamilton from causing Bottas real problems with a different strategy. So that was a bit problematic. And then obviously he crashed in Mexico qualifying, which blots his copybook again. But I thought he drove really well. He executed his strategy nicely. He just basically... He's been a he's been a small small fraction behind Hamilton, and it's been nice to see him pick that up because he was broken at the end of last year, and we joked about evil Bottas Bottas 2.0 at the start of this season, but he did come out in 2019 as a new person. I'm glad that he's been able to take the fight as long as he has, even though it's felt like a foregone conclusion for a while. And Bottas ultimately hasn't had what's required to to beat Hamilton or really, really challenge him. But it's nice that he's he seems to be in, ending the season with more of a flourish than a whimper. And that's good because, you know, it fuels hope for next year. And it's just nice to see. It's nice to see another car, another car in the mix. It means that we've got both Mercedes, both Ferraris, at least one of the Red Bulls that, that we're hoping is gonna gonna be in the fight any weekend. And that it's just that's just making it all the more entertaining, even though we've got a title that's long since been decided. Yeah, absolutely. Good, uh, good on Bottas for uh, for for lifting himself. And that there's uh, there's a long history of very, very good Grand Prix drivers being made to look a little bit ordinary by world champions. But he's and great drivers. But he's he's close enough to Hamilton for for that to be a, a a decent tick. So although perhaps it was a conservative option, Mercedes keeping him, he's he's doing a he's doing a a, a decent uh, decent job. Uh, of course, that the, that'll be the ongoing thing of uh, a Ferrari's performance and whether they can convert qualifying pace into results is there's it's not necessarily the, the perfect track for them with their power advantage but there is a there is a, a very long straight there but then you've got the the sort of the, the fast flowing first section and twisty bits at the back end of the circuit so it's a reasonable all-round challenger a car but it has been a recipe for some interesting races this year in the second half of the season when we've had a ferrari that's been quicker in qualifying than in the race so you've got a car that very often has track position but often has to sort of thread through the eye of the needle to keep it yeah, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what Hamilton and Mercedes can do, and obviously Bottas is in there as well, and Verstappen with Red Bull, what they can do to counter Ferrari on Sundays, because if Ferrari has the car hooked up, which it actually has pretty much every race since the summer break, especially since Singapore, the the car's working a lot, a lot better now, so they've negated some of that crucial cornering deficit, and the the engine advantage they've got is turning them into a into a one lap weapon on on Saturday so they are getting these this this track position so it's down to Mercedes and Red Bull to try and overcome that and last year we saw a mega race didn't we where um, we had three different strategies being played out by the top three teams and it all converged at the end and it didn't ended up almost like everything was sort of everything was in position we had all the ingredients and the, the the stove was turned on and the, we were just waiting for it to properly come to a boil <laughs> it never it never quite did it was a bit like that in mexico last weekend actually so i'm curious to see if that changes hopefully this this weekend i guess we're kind of hurt a little bit by the fact that hamilton's looking to wrap up the title and bottas is still sort of forlornly hanging in there because neither of them is going to take a 
take a risk. I want to see Leclerc versus Vettel versus Hamilton versus Verstappen, Bottas in there as well. Like something real proper. Will is that all? Is that all? That, is that all? <laughs> that's all I'm asking for. Is it too much to ask for an absolute no holds bar five man fight? For a race win on Sunday. If we just have it like the finish of Monza 71, five cars covered by... Yeah, why is that so difficult? <laughs> What's the problem? Why, why am I asking too much? Well, exactly. It's, uh, no, you, you want to see good battles and uh, and drivers put under pressure at key moments. That's uh, that's what makes it interesting. Of course, Red Bull had a good weekend in Mexico as as, as well. Reasonable, reason, perhaps a slight improvement in pace, certainly, obviously. But a very different race had Max Verstappen started on pole position. But let's say Ferrari does win the United States Grand Prix, which is... Uh, Perfectly, uh, perfectly possible outcome. Are we going to see a protest on their engine? There's been a lot of talk about this, a bit of politicking going on. What, what exactly is the situation regarding the Ferrari engine legality and whether they'll get protested if they were to win? Well, we know that the that there are competitors of Ferrari uh, who have cl- tried to clarify whether certain design concepts may or may not be used, so whether they're legal or not, uh, because. Obviously, no one really knows what Ferrari is doing because it's confidential information and their intellectual property is very tightly monitored. But Ferrari's competitors have an idea of what they're doing. They want to know if that's legal or not because they want to know if they can do it themselves. When we spoke to the the, the relevant parties a, a few weeks ago in J- Japan and before that in Russia, there hadn't been a response from the FAA. They might That might well, well have come now. Um, and they'll have either been told, yes, this is allowed, in which case there's no protest to come, and it's down to the engine manufacturers to work out if they can do the same as what Ferrari are doing, um, or they've been told that it isn't allowed, which will mean they'll be readying a protest. If they've not heard anything, then all bets are off as to what it will be. If Ferrari goes on to dominate, maybe one of their rivals will finally call their bluff because Mattia Bonotto says bring on, bring it on in terms of a protest where they want to finally be able to clear their name. So be very, very curious to to, to see what happens. But it, a protest has to be made in, on, over a Grand Prix weekend within, I think, half an hour of the, the, the final result. Um, so I th- we, we, we literally have to wait and see. It's a boring thing to say, but I, I know that tensions are rising, frustrations are rising on both sides as well the accuser and the accused so it's got to come to a head at at some point yeah I I would actually like to see something like that happen not so much from a oh you want to see Ferrari disqualified or whatever or because maybe people sometimes people don't like protest but it's one of these things that's been simmering away and I feel like there almost needs to be a test case of course the trouble with the whole process the trouble with asking if you can do certain things you've got in that situation you've got to ask the right question and then the problem in doing a protest you've got to protest the right thing etc so it, it, it's it's a little bit tricky what does surprise me is sometimes there's a reluctance among teams to be seen to be the bad guy doing the protest and yet they're quite happy to run around the place whispering about this that and the other so i would like i would like to see some people put up and shut up on this one and say right we're challenging this because this 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 let's actually see what we can do and also if you're Ferrari's opposition you you want to do that because either you want to know that something's completely legal and to have really tested it if necessary legally or you want to stop them doing it so going into next season it's uh, in their eyes a more a more level playing field so that that's that's what I'd like to see yeah absolutely I'm I'm completely in agreement with you there Ed I don't really like it when uh, when there are there are whispers going around because it's kind of like well if you've got that stronger suspicion act on it it may well be that's exactly what Ferrari's rivals have been doing they've just been waiting for the right time for them to believe that they've got a strong enough case to present 
because obviously you don't want to lodge the protest and it just to get thrown out the first hurdle. You want it to be admissible, don't you? So then it triggers an investigation like the one that we saw with the the Renault braking system, for example, when Racing Point protested their their braking system after Japan. So maybe, maybe they're biding their time. If they are, I, w- I I want there to be action. I don't want uh, I don't want it to be all, all all talk and no action. That would be that would be a shame. And it would be to dis- it would discredit the. The effort that that Ferrari's gone to, you know, if they're if they're doing everything above board, they deserve an opportunity to to prove that when there's all of this uh, claim and counterclaim going around, um, and if they're not, then then someone needs to do something so they get found out. Yep, that's what the process is is there for. And of course, we talked earlier in the, in the podcast about the uh, the new rules, and we've seen Fernando Alonso making a making a few comments recently about the rules being key to whether he'll come back. What what do you make of that? Well, we're getting ready for the big reveal of the the sporting, technical and financial regulations. They're going to be presented to us. When will people be listening to this podcast? Ed, Thursday in Austin. So today we will be uh, we'll be hearing uh, what the, the rule makers have to say. And, and you'll be able to read all about it on autosport.com. On autosport.com. A seamless plug. Exactly, that. absolutely. And we will be doing some, uh, some video as well afterwards, I'm sure, diving into it. And I'm sure we'll revisit the topic on the podcast. So... That was already going to be a big talking point on the Thursday, but it's interesting to know that another person who'll be looking carefully at the new rules will be Fernando Alonso, because, yeah, so basically Alonso, who is, um, blimey, what, what, what's he done over the last uh, 12 months? So he's obviously won Le Mans again. Um, he's tried to qualify and win, qualify for and win the Indianapolis 500, but he didn't actually get to start the race. And now he's often getting ready for his Dakar Rally debut. So he, he's been very busy since walking walking away from Formula 1 at the end of 2018 but he's obviously also tested McLaren's 2019 F1 car and we thought he'd basically said no Grand Prix racing I'm done with it mate but it now actually seems he's dropped another one of his classic Alonso hints that it may not all be all be over he wants to have a look at the new rules see see if it's really going to going to create what he wants because obviously he was sick and tired of the fact that it isn't what he wants a winning car yes i'm not sure the rules are that significant in that to be quite honest well i think his point is basically if he was offered a mercedes he'd come back tomorrow no absolutely but i think his point is that if he feels that he can uh if he i think if he feels that it will facilitate an opportunity where who knows where he could end up? You know, will he? Would he go back to Ferrari? Would Ferrari have him back? I don't really think it's the rules that are stopping Ferrari from winning the World Championship at the moment. So, but let's take Alonso at his word. Basically, he wants F1 to be in a position where it, it won't be dominated by one or two teams. I don't unless re- he's in one of those two. Teams. Unless he's in one of those two teams, but it's because he's not in one of those two teams. So his point is, I need F1 to change so that I have more options available to me. I'm not entirely sure it's going to change that much. But basically, what Alonso is saying now is actually it's not one. 100% done dusted I'm never coming back to F1 let's see what 2021 rules will actually look like if I like what I see maybe I'll come back to the negotiating table and again he's a high quality driver he's still active and keeping himself sharp doing things and you never know and I, I my view is that it'll depend on whether a, a top team is in a situation where it feels it needs a driver I think the chance of that happening have been reduced by the fact that Charles Leclerc as you'd expect has done very well in Ferrari so you've established a new sort of top driver has joined the pool there, although you could argue that he's dented Sebastian Vettel, though Vettel started to hit back a bit more in the past couple of races. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure the landscape is is sort of turning in Alonso's favour at this stage, but, you know, if, if you find yourself needing a driver, if suddenly Lewis Hamilton retires tomorrow and Sebastian Vettel retires and there's not enough to go around, then uh, somebody might get on the phone to him and think, actually, we need a driver of that calibre. Yeah, and you never know exactly what... Um 
you know who he's talking to in the backgrounds and whether one of those bombshells is going to come so it's nice to, it's just nice to know that Alonso is sort of st- he's still out there isn't he he's still dropping these little he knows he knows how to get a headline he knows how he'll he'll have said the, this for a reason because he, he wants to have his name in the in 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 the ring doesn't he when the 2021 rules are being talked about and when people are thinking about 2021 he wants everybody to know that he's sort of he can at least be on the radar even if he's not close range yeah, exactly. That's what he'll be uh, aiming to do, and he's still got a few years, a uh, few years in him yet. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be a fascinating story if he uh, if he did come back, and you, you can't count out a driver of that uh, caliber, certainly. Uh, well, obviously, United States Grand Prix. You mentioned the uh, the that there should be proper full detail of the of the new rules. We've had lots of bits and pieces, and we've got a reasonable idea of how they're going to look. But there's it's not until you get the kind of final complete package, the whole set of regulations, financial regulations, of course, as well. So that's going to be a really, uh, really interesting thing to keep an eye on. So do check out autosport.com for news on that. Also, Autosport Magazine out every Thursday. The Autosport podcast is out free every Monday and Thursday. We'll be back, of course, with a review of the race that will come out uh, probably in the early hours of Monday in Europe, given the time difference. And uh, yeah, well, it's going to be a big weekend for Formula One. Let's see how people respond to the regulations. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.